Bye. That would make PewDiePie. Ooh. <laughs> Except I shouldn't admit. Yeah. Now Goodbye. we're just now we're just copying content, huh? Uh, yeah, I feel like th this this isn't gonna go in the actual podcast. Like that's what you I think. Assume... Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Over Inspected. I'm your host. Well, I'm one of the three hosts, Carrie Huang, and with me I've got Chai and Manu. Yeah, and I think this. Uh... Yeah, in, yeah. You guys can introduce yourself again. You know, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I was like wondering, like, do are the way you're pointing? I wonder if it's gonna show. I'll point in both <laughs> directions. Like this way, we'll one of those. It's right. fine. Yeah. If we end up in the wrong direction, who cares, man? <laughs> yeah. It, oh, no, if, man. if I point in the wrong direction, it reflects off of the wall on the side. Yeah. Of the exactly. Screen. Oh, oh. Exactly. So it's, it's like a light beam. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's clever. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was trying to see if I could have a laser pointer, but I didn't. I don't think they would be able to see a laser pointer also, right? Because if you, like, pointed the... Like, you would have to have... You oh. know, like, those mists? Like, you need to have I, the mist in order to see the laser pointer. Yeah, I would need a mist machine and a laser pointer, which is too much for a simple podcast like this one. So, I had a question. Manu. Yeah? Yeah. Oh. Carrie, you too. We just had dinner. Manu, how was the curry? One out of ten. So I think Japanese curry. I think the curry was really good. Uh, I have like a I have a soft spot for I think Japanese curry. I think it was a little runny. Oh okay, yeah that's fair. It was a little bit runny, but you know what? It was jam packed with flavor. So if I had to give mm -hmm. it a one out of ten, one through ten, I'd probably give it a solid six. It was pretty good. Yeah yeah I think so. I think also it could have used a bit more rice. L little more rice. little low on the rice side, but. Otherwise, no major qualms. Uh, six out yeah. of ten for me as well. Carrie, what'd that you? That sounds good. Yeah, um, I had a fish burrito that my dad bought and brought home. Um, I only ate half of it because it was like really big. Um, yeah. But I would rate that. Well, you guys both said six, right? So. <laughs> you I can also say, say six. I was gonna also say. <laughs> I was also gonna say six, but then people are gonna be like six, six, six. It seems a little mm. satanic to me. A I, little bit satanic. I guess you're right, yeah. So I'll just, I'll rate it. <laughs> I don't want to go up to seven though, and five sounds Just, just put it 6.1. 6.1. 6.1, yeah. I rated it a 6.1. It was actually better uh, than our mids then, yeah. You couldn't have rated it a 6.25? Hmm? Oh, that's true. I could rate it Mitch. Hmm? 6.25. Yeah, yeah, I rate okay. it, a, I rate it Mitch out of 10. I rate it Mitch <laughs> out of 10. So it was like, that means it's like a pretty decent fish burrito. Um, yeah, pretty good. Not, not too bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think like with okay, I guess we, we could we could transfer to like what this episode's going to be about. <laughs> yeah. So I think today we're going to just talk about our kind of personal origin stories, how we got into speed cubing, maybe how we got into podcasting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I think that this this episode is going to be a long one. I think there's. There's a lot. There's a lot of story between I think the three of us that we could just we just go on forever and ever. Yeah. I definitely feel like mine's probably the most boring or probably the most basic. But... Wait, wait. So let, let let's start with the the, the like the most simple one, right? Like, where, yeah. how did you how did you guys get into cubing? Because considering that this is a somewhat cubing podcast. Yeah. Um. Well, for me, um, I technically first solved the cube when I was in the ninth grade. Um, my friend actually bought this like really cool speed cube. I have no idea what it was. It was like a white plastic speed cube. And 
uh, we were just solving it together, learning it together, and I got pretty fast at it. I think I used beginner's method all the way until like 35, 40 seconds. Um, That's pretty fast. And, and like, yeah, it was pretty fast. And then I just stopped all the way until I graduated college. So I actually had not touched a puzzle since then. Mm. Um, and then that summer was like really boring. So I just picked up a cube again because it was in my room. And then I figured out this whole world of speed cubing and I sub 25, sub 20, sub 15. Um, so I, I essentially had this like three year gap of when I learned it versus when I took it serious. That at least for me. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that actually mirrors basically my cubing as well. So I first started cubing when I was in middle school. Um, this was, I think, right when cubing was like picking up again. Uh, so, so some people might know, like originally, like cubing originally was really, really big in the '80s when the Rubik's cube first came out. I think it won like Toy of the Year or whatever. The first, I think, World Cube Championships were held in 1982 or '83. Um, and but after that, you know, cubing kind of went on a huge lull um, to the point where I think, like, if you ask people about it now, I think people are still like, "Oh, I thought the Rubik's cube died out." Um, but I, I think when I was in middle school, it was catching back up again, uh, almost certainly because of YouTube. So my friends actually learned how to cube first, and then they were like, "Oh, haha, you can't do it! Like, you, you suck or whatever." I'm like, "What do you mean?" So then I I also learned how to cube, but then they were faster than me, and they were like, "Oh, but you can you might be able to know you might be able to solve a cube, but uh, you can't do it fast." So then I started getting a little bit faster, but uh, I remember in my school it was to the point where we would just bring cubes to class, so we would cube in the middle of class, and then oh. you know at some point cubing got banned, but in order to get around <laughs> this. But we did. It, it was like silly bands. I don't know if you guys remember silly bands from way long ago. But oh like yeah. It, it literally got on the band toy list. So then what we had to do <laughs> is we had to like we either modified cubes in order to like make them quieter, so like you know like sanding them down and stuff. Or what we did is like I remember this sh the Shengshou Aurora was really popular in those days just because it was mm -hmm. quiet enough where you could play with it under your desk and not get caught by the teacher. Oh my god. <laughs> did, did you guys ever cube in school? Yeah. I mean, I also cubed in school and they never outright banned it, but I do know that the cube I had, which was like a Zanchi at the time, was very loud. So, yeah, I can definitely relate to like teachers giving you the side eye. Was it like a big thing in like your school? Uh, for me, it was actually interesting because it blew up in my high school the year after I had graduated. So, oh, interesting. So, uh. like, I went to my first competition my freshman year of college, and a lot of the people a year younger than me who were still in high school showed up, and they were telling me, um, like, you know, it's spreading through in my high school, even though I wasn't there, and like, oh, if you were, if you were only here for another year, you would, like, be the one teaching us all, because I had been cubing for, like, two years at the point, so I was faster than all of them. Um, how do you start? Uh, I started... Actually, I'm thinking about this, and my story kind of just changed in my head, because I remember when I was in elementary school, some parent gave me a 2x2 two two pocket cube, which it was like transparent as a gift for Christmas or something. And I learned how to solve just a 2x2 two two through some online tutorial, but like nothing else. And 
I guess kind of like both of you, I just stopped doing it for a very long time. And then in 2013, I think during spring break, I guess, yeah, that's around the time that I was like taking a hiatus from making YouTube videos. So I just like realized like I, if I notice all the two by two, I should learn how to do the three by three because that's the legit one. Yeah. And I know that my first solve was on April Fool's Day, 2013. Wow, that's, how did you, like, how do you really, that? is there a story behind that? Oh, it's because, uh, I, I have this software that, like, graphs my timed solves. Oh, okay. And, like, the very oh, first okay. one is, like, April 1st, 2013. It's, like, four minutes or something. Wow, you, you <laughs> so you, you, like, keep your solve history from all the way back then? Or is this, like, an old program that you used to use that you don't use anymore? Yeah, it's an old program I don't use anymore. But back then, it was, like, I would have, like, a timer on my phone. Mm -hmm. Okay, just, wait. I, I don't know. My phone notification just showed up that I don't. Want. Yeah. We can come back. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We can blurb it. I mean, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, we can blur it. Yeah. Now it's okay. Now there's no notification. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I got, you know, I, I had the the old you know stopwatch app, and I would just take screenshots of my times. So, ah. like, I don't have a sophisticated. Yeah. Ti I didn't have a sophisticated timer back then. Yeah, yeah. The, right. th those are like the the old days. Those are like the wild west. I remember like going on YouTube back in those days and just trying to like piece together what was going on. How did you guys like learn to solve the cube? My first video that I saw was the Dan Brown method. So I used to be Green Cross solver actually, way, way, oh. way back in the day because he started with Green Cross. Yeah, um, I know about Dan Brown's video, but my first tutorial was me, myself, and Pi. Ah. Yeah, because, um, yeah, I think actually, yeah. So he he had a tutorial on a two by two. So that's how I first learned. And actually, that I'm remembering now, it wasn't elementary school. So I just want to correct that. It was probably like late like middle, middle school. school. Yeah, middle school. Yeah. But I just remember uh, he had like really fancy transitions that would like flash yeah. on the screen. So yeah, like, wow. or fa fancy for 2013 times, right? Yeah, because his tutorials were like back then JPerm didn't exist. Yeah. And, and like a lot of other tutorials didn't exist. I think uh, probably, I don't recall using videos to learn how to solve the cube. And that's because I was in China and then YouTube was blocked. Mm. So my, I definitely remember using the manual that was given to me. Um, I don't think that explains why I'm a green cross solver at all. Yeah, I'm not really sure how I turned into a green cross solver. But I know for a fact those manuals definitely do not recommend Green Cross. Like, they always start with white. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I have no idea how that happened. But as far as, like, when I came back, like, I came back to, um, cubing. I definitely have no idea who I watched. Um. No recollection whatsoever. There were like so many at the time when I started. There were already so many resources. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember Cubing World. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, I man. Do. Those are so because I remember back in the day when I was like learning how to cube. I wanted to learn how to do every event, and I think many, many, man. This must be easily like ten to twelve years old now. There used to be this series about like how to get fast. I think at every single event, and then they had the either world record holders or, you know, someone who was like really, really good at that specific event, um, you know, teaching you like, like, you know, this is, this is how to get good. I think, um, 
I remember for 3x3, I think this is how old this was. For 3x3, the guy who did it, the presentation was Andrew Ritchie. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He used to have NAR. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he used to have the NAR way, way, way back in the day. So, yeah, I remember Cubing World. Another one that I used to watch a lot. And this, actually, I transferred to White Cross because I was watching his videos. Did you guys ever watch this uh, YouTube channel called Bad Mephisto? Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know uh, how to pronounce. I never knew how to pronounce it. <laughs> so I think it's so I remember because I remember because I I like watched every single one of his videos. So it was I think the name comes from some Diablo two character called Mephisto, which I guess is also comes from like Mephistopheles or something. Anyway, and then he was like, I wanted to be like kind of cool, right? So I wanted to put something like you know I want to be like some like cool Mephisto or something. But apparently that name was taken. So then he then he became bad Mephisto instead, and he had loads of videos. That that's how I first learned about F2L and like you know more advanced cubing methods, instead of just you know just doing like like Daisy method or whatever I was doing back in the day. The yeah, Daisy yeah. method is so reliable though. Like it's yeah, just like yeah. I, I mean yeah, it's a, yeah it's super it's easier to teach to, new people. Yeah, it's easier to convey to like a beginner. Mm -hmm. um, but did you know that? Bad Mephisto, I, okay, I could be wrong about this, but I think, like, the real guy, Andre Carpathy, is now yeah. the head of AI at Tesla. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think so, so that is true. Yeah, I <laughs> think so. I think I've heard about this. The, the crazy what? part is, the crazy part is, right, like, one, so, I, you know, that this was, like, back in middle school days when he was posting those videos. I took all of high school off cubing because my parents were like, you need to focus on high school and not be, like, you know, an illiterate idiot. So, but then when I came back to cubing in 2016, I was re-watching some of those videos and then he made a couple other videos about, you know, like where he's been and stuff. And then he's like, yeah, like, uh, I think at that point he was going to Stanford to, he was a master student at Stanford or maybe a PhD student. Then I realized that like, then I saw Andre Karpathy, like just a name somewhere totally different. I think maybe he was related with OpenAI at the time. And then I've linked the two. I'm like, Wait, this is the same guy I would watch in the Rubik's Cube videos. <laughs> oh. And then I'm like, wait, wow, that's amazing. Just to, like, just like, I don't know, I guess the world's like a super small place. Does yeah. anyone else know that? Was Is that like technically, let's do everyone, I did not know that. I, I don't know how I knew that. Um, but I do wonder if Andre like still cubes or if we can ever persuade him to come to a competition. Oh he's my so goodness. Busy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He probably like Imagine talks to Elon just... Musk every day. Yeah, what if yeah. he just con what if he convinces Elon Musk to sign up for a comp? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Well, that, that cubing is going to the moon. <laughs> yeah, cubing yeah. is going to the moon. Cubing first, is coming with us to Mars. First Dogecoin, and then oh, if we if, if humans coin? go to Mars, will there be Martian records? Not just yeah, like that, that's, North that's, American yeah. records. Yeah, yeah, because we have world records, right? But what about? Martian I mean, the humans that would live there, you would call them Martians, right? Well, also, like, the other thing Martians. is, think about, like, the way that, like, the physics would work, right? Like, I wonder if solving a cube on Mars would be physically different. I guess because, like, here, oh, we, yeah. cause we don't need to, like, have, like, a spacesuit or anything, right? Like, we, we just cube. But, like, if you're on Mars, I guess, like, if you're a human living on Mars, you need to have some sort of, like, protective suit or something. That's definitely got to affect your dexterity. Or if it's, like, super far in the future where we have, like, evolved species that can, like, oh. live on Mars without spacesuits, then they're, <laughs> it's just a separate species, right? So then, like, 
it seems reasonable that there should be a Martian record. Yeah, that, that sounds very sci-fi. Like, we're going to the part where, like, the well, evolution has Yeah, changed. we're also assuming that cubing is going to survive that far into the future, right? Is it, yeah. But is, I, is it I, that no far? Idea. I think if we, if it's far enough <laughs> to the point where humans, like, diverge, like, Earth humans and Martians become, like, separate species, I think that's going to be really, really far in the future. I, I mean, Speaking like, of, evolution well, one off. time, one, sorry, one time there was a comp, and then... If you can't solve a cube physically, you can solve it virtually. So Lucas Garren brought ah. his VR headset. Carrie, were you here for this? I I did try out his VR headset, but I haven't heard of this like if you can't solve it physically, you're allowed to do it virtually. Well like not a not a like um a not Mars I mean. Like how are you gonna solve it with like all the uh, contraptions on your you know, all your gloves and everything, your spacesuit? So you're just gonna start with, like dragging like the swords to lightsabers to turn the layers on the virtual headset. I think that if if humans actually go to Mars, isn't it just a lot simpler just to have a sealed off kind of room that has you know, oh, pressurized air? Actually, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Of the same breakdown of Earth's atmosphere, and then like, right. you can just pretend. Yeah. You yeah, just you would just do it inside like your your base or whatever, right? You don't need yeah. to do it out in the Martian air. Okay, well, yeah. that, that seems reasonable. Well, considering that, then again, we also do have different records for, like, Asian record, European record, North American record. Yeah, even I though mean, it doesn't is Mars doesn't really that different than a continent, right? I guess, if anything, is a super continent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the national records and the continental records don't actually mean... Oh, okay, I gotta I got be careful with what I say. What I mean is... No, unfiltered, Carrie, be unfiltered. What I mean is that, like... <laughs> You know, you can be proud of a national record, but it's not... Oh, I, I don't know if I should even... Like, there's, there's no... We're not okay, separating them because of biological reasons. Like, you know, you're just like the, the, the record holder of the United States because you're just, you know, a proud American who wants to be the best of your country. It's not like we're separating them based on, like, biological differences. That, would, that wouldn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. I think... No, I... Yeah. I think if we were to... If... Okay. If we were to like you know separate cubers based on biology, the one that would make the most sense to me might be age. You know, yeah, age. like especially like I think this has been discussed at least at some point, like a seniors cup or something like that, right? Yeah, where, having divisions. Yeah. Where where it's like you know like I think the one one of the numbers I saw just floating around was like 50, 50 and up, um, and then just yeah like having like a senior record, which seems kind of interesting to me. Yeah, because I think that is the most like deciding factor if someone can be fast or not yeah um yeah because like i guess just when you when you are older you know your body has changed in ways so you can't quite turn as fast mm -hmm. yeah if, if you're watching or listening to this podcast it is no joke like after you're probably like 22 or 23 you don't like improve with your dexterity it just doesn't happen i don't know i wish <laughs> it's, all, it's all downhill from there it's all downhill from there like you really gotta like there's a reason why all those cubers learn hundreds and hundreds of algs it's because that's the only way they can get faster but um no but aside from that i definitely think a big reason why you would consider a region faster than another region is just the amount of people competing like it's just yeah. um environmental factors like mm. you're going to push each other to the limit as much as possible so like while you can have like um a record in a smaller country 
maybe it's not as impressive as an NR as for the United States NR. It's it's merely because of just how many people are competing. I think really, yeah. Just the the amount of like population density in a way, and just competition, right? Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. That, that's true. I'm trying that... to beat like I'm Max Park. I'm trying to beat Maddie Hirodo and Abba. Like stuff like that, just pushing each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just gonna add on to that. Like another factor <laughs> is probably how many resources are in the language of that country. Because like there's a ton of English tutorials now, so any country that speaks predominantly English, like those people can probably improve faster. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's also to the point. Like when you guys see when you unbox your new cubes, a lot of those uh, tutorials mm. they're in Chinese. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why Chi maybe that's why like so many young Chinese speed cubers are like dominating, like Ray Hong Xu. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I mean, I swear to God, those guys. Well, I think another thing which is interesting is I feel like right now where we're in the state of like where the 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 rules for the pandemic are different across the world, right? Some countries are going on lockdown like faster than other countries, and you know some restrictions have opened where other places haven't. It's interesting to see like where these things are happening. So, for example, I feel like in China, China, I I think has had many many comps by this point which is yeah. really interesting because like because then you can also you can see like we talked about this a little bit in the previous episode where like it's like the pandemic effect that we're going to see on cubers the fact that you know people have had so much time to like sit at home and either perfect their craft or get into cubing i wonder if like looking at the chinese results if you'd be able to see something like that i know another person who's gotten insane is first of all maddie we already mentioned him and yeah. also Timon, these two guys have completely like changed the entire game over the course of the pandemic. Yeah, Timon is definitely definitely next level. Like his, he he's like he thinks different. Like the way he solves, it's different. Yeah, I, I mean, I wonder if if like starting young is helpful, not just because you have more time and and maybe might like you said, Chai that. You're more dexterous, but also, I don't know. It's like learning cubing is like learning a new language, and with language, they always say that you know if you learn a language after puberty, you'll never quite be like fluent in the same way as someone who like was mm. born with it. Yeah, like you train your brain almost in a way. Yeah, yeah, like your brain is like creating these neural connections, and if you're like still before puberty, it's just much more plastic. So I wonder if like the young cubers are also benefiting from that. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. Yeah, because that, that's another thing that's changed quite uh, significantly. I think when I when we when we first started cubing, at least when I first started cubing, it was a lot of like people who were. So I I think I was maybe fourteen or fifteen when I first started cubing, mm -hmm. and most of the people at that competition were older than I was, <laughs> older than I, yeah, older than I was. Um, and that, that was back in 2013. But now when you go to a competition, it feels like if you're 14 or 15, you are maybe the median age, if not in yeah, the upper 50, upper 50 percentile, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think YouTube is um, a big reason for that because YouTube is just very accessible for children. Mm -hmm. I definitely think that using like sports terms, if you're 14, 15, 16 years old, like in terms of your skill, like that is your prime. Like oh, that's no. your 
that's just your yeah. brain, you know what I mean? So like um, people who are solving at their best, they're solving when they're 16, 17, 18. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, is that, do you guys find that the best keepers in the world are like that much older these days? I mean, well, Felix is an exception, but. Yeah, I was gonna say, so by that, are you, go like, are, are you also willing to argue that like, Felix has fallen off from where he was a couple years ago? I, don't I mean, know would you argue? Would... would you argue LeBron fell off in the same way? No, but he, but he's definitely not the best player in the NBA, right? Uh, debatable. Maybe for a separate. All maybe right. for a different All right, podcast. Guys, if, if you're watching, let us know what you think. If you think LeBron's the best player in the NBA, maybe for no, a, but maybe for a different episode or maybe for a different podcast all entirely. But yeah, I don't know. I I, I sort of see what you mean though, like. Like, yeah, it seems like right now, keeping is really, really dominated by, you know, these people who are, I mean, I guess they're kids, um, you know, like the, the 14, 15, 16 year old kids. But I don't know if I would go as, as far to say that, like, that is like your prime. I think that there are probably, and there are almost certainly many cubers who are like outside that age range, who are still, who are probably just hitting their strides. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's not like you fall off after, like, your time. The reason why you'd fall off after you hit, like, 20 years old is probably because of college. Yeah. Nothing, like, physically. Nothing physically. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. th to me, that's, I don't know. That That's, I've always thought that, like, time is probably the most important thing, which kind of makes sense, right? Like, the more time you can devote to something, whether it be, like, a language or a sport or cubing, the you're naturally just going to be better at it just because you just have more reps, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess I, I don't like the thought that like the human body is already starting to decay by like early twenties. Cause I guess I'm past that already. Um, <laughs> but I remember like Roe Hessler or some other OG Cuber mm -hmm. was already talking about like somehow like feeling it in his fingers that like he just couldn't turn as fast. And like, I don't know what that feels like. That's maybe interesting. I, it's like a subconscious thing. That's interesting because I feel like may maybe it's true, but what's what's also interesting is that like, because now somewhat recently at least like I think Ro has been really getting into multi blind, right? Yeah, yeah. So th that's actually kind of cool. Maybe it's like sure, like you lose some dexterity in your fingers, but maybe like because of like your heightened mental acumen or whatever, you can now like kind of access these events that you know i think mo most kids don't really take place in like the blindfolded big blind events right but maybe yeah. like now because you're older you have a better spatial awareness maybe or memorization skill perhaps yeah yeah that's interesting um that reminds me when you're talking about multi-blind that just made me think of graham and how he started um, yeah and he's an example of someone who like hit his stride he's yeah, still getting better twice. Yeah, he's, he's still getting better. He's still, he's still, still in his stride. Yeah, if you're I mean, watching this, I'm not, I'm not implying that you're... Oh my god, I, I gotta be careful <laughs> what I say. No, no, Graham is, like, improving. Yeah, yeah. crazy. And, and um, I remember, I think we were, like, one competition apart from, like, our first competitions. It was just one or two of the Berkeley competitions. Yeah. And, like, we were, like, the same level. And to imagine that this guy is the, the best in the world at what he does and he's yeah. still getting better is... It makes me feel bad. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think Graham has a very, like, oh, methodological man. way of, like, tracking improvement. Because, 
You know, a lot of people yeah. when they practice, they just like do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. But I think he actually like writes down every mistake he makes when he does a multi-blind attempt and tries to figure out like, oh, is this letter pair not memorable enough? It's very uh, kind of like logical and meticulous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I there's give... like different ways to practice, right? Oh, you think there, wait, there are or there aren't? No, they're like different ways to practice in a sense, like it, it's just some people will improve merely by just spamming their spamming their yeah. attempts, right? I think that's what kids are good at, because kids don't like planning, they just do things over and over again. Yeah, yeah. you know what, it kind of, it's, what's interesting is like, okay, this is, this is a weird analogy, right? But for example, like, I don't know, like, when you, if you guys ever played the Pokemon games, like, when I was younger... I wouldn't, I, I didn't really know like the type matchup chart or anything. I would just, just like grind, right? And then I would just like raise my Pokemon up to like high levels and then I would just kind of just do the same thing over and over again. But at some point, like when I got older, I'm like, this is not efficient. There is, there is a better way to do this, right? So then that ends up like being like, okay, I need to like memorize the type, type chart. I need to like go into this battle. I need to, you know, figure out, okay, like this is what I'm going to do for this battle, right? Might maybe yeah. something like that for cubing, where it's like, you know, as a kid, you're just you're just grinding, and then at some point you realize, okay, like I'm not getting better, but then something in your head clicks. It's like, okay, like so for me, I had this big realization in 2017 when I wasn't able to break sub 20, and at that point something clicked in my head where it was like, okay, look ahead is my problem. I need to get better at not doing this, not looking at what I'm doing right now, but how this is going to affect the pieces in the next step I'm going to do. And that was like a big like unlock for me. So I think yeah. I think kids are pretty good at just like doing things over and over again until they find like the one golden ticket. Whereas like adults, I think might need to might might need to like think more analytically and kind of like more like analyze like okay like here are all the parts of my solve. Like you know there's like pauses or like this alg is inefficient or I didn't do this case properly. Things like that, I think. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Carrie, do you um do you remember when your first competition was? Yeah, it was November eleventh, twenty fifteen. Actually, what's <laughs> that's so precise? You remember it down <laughs> to the day? Oh, I'm gonna be wrong. Watch me be wrong. But oh. what, I, like, like Chai, when you were talking about how like you and Graham started at the same time, what freaks me out is that like Graham Stiggins uploaded a video of his first official blind solve. Which was a year after my first official blind solve, and like back then I was like faster. So there was a time when, like, he was on the come up, and I was technically, I had a, a little more experience. But you know, he just took it to the moon. He just kept going. Yeah. Oh Jesus. So you started in like twenty. So your first couple like twenty fourteen then twenty fifteen. Um, Manu's or mine. Yours, yeah. Mine was 2015. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. I remember I went to the first... I think it was either Berkeley Fall or it was Berkeley Winter. It was, it was actually, Fall, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I came to the competition with my roommate at the time oh, uh, huh. in, co in college. And then uh, we were just like hanging out with each other while we were waiting for our solves and everything. And I think it took me until maybe the third or so comp to really start opening up to people that like including like Manu I think Manu were you there already or not I was almost certainly there 
I, I feel like yeah, I... You were probably staffing or something. I feel like I remember you from those days. It was a, yeah. it was a very different Michael Chai. I was very what? quiet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, extremely so. Which comp... Because, wait, Chai, I think the first comp I saw you at was the one where you were wearing an apron. <laughs> that was the first... <laughs> that was the first one. Was oh, that the really? first one that you met me? Well, I don't know if I actually talked to you, but... No, that competition was SAC 2. Okay. SAC, SAC two, 2 or okay. 3. SAC 2, 3, 4. One of those. It was the one where it was in like a weird plaza. It was yeah, 3. It was like a huge, huge 3. That was the one with lot. the awful lighting. That was the one where... Oh, that Carrie, that was the one where I won Mega Minx. So yeah. Best of one song. <laughs> and that was oh. your best competition. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I sure remember that, that. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah. And I remember you got in second and we were having a... No, there, we definitely met before that. Or else we wouldn't have had the conversation about who's going to win at Mega. Oh, maybe, yeah. Would Don't you think? I feel like yeah, we wouldn't well, have like done that. I sort of felt like by then you were already like in the community, so... You know, if you're saying yeah. that, like, at your first comp, you were kind of shy and, like, introverted. I didn't I get that really vibe. Shy. I didn't get that vibe from you by that point when we were talking about Mega. Yeah, no, I, I was definitely, like, a lot different. And then when... I, I mean, I'm naturally just pretty introverted, just, like, when I'm into something new. That's how I tend to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was yeah. it? Um, and I think it took me until, like, the third comp, and then I... I didn't actually talk to you, Manu. I talked to Zod. I think I think first you talked oh, to Wilson, because then I know oh, Wilson. Oh yeah. Because because Zod and I <laughs> became friends in January 2017. I distinctly remember the first message Zod ever sent me was about magnets. About if if because because at some point I was like, yeah, I want to magnetize my cube, and I never talked to Zod. And he's like, oh, I have some magnets. Do you want them? That that was the first message he ever sent to me. Um, so I became friends with Zod in, in January 2017. Then I think you became friends with Wilson, uh, probably around the same time. And then yeah, Wilson and like Zod that. were friends, I think, uh, also around that time. And then that's how, like, we all, like, we came to know each other. If, if you guys don't know, Wilson right now, he's the, he's the head of the WCA competition announcement team. Mm -hmm. Um, also a delegate in Indonesia right now. I yeah. knew about the delegate, but I didn't know about the other announcement thing. Oh yeah, he, he's, yeah. you know, he's, big bossing it up. He's uh, leveling up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but he's funny. Um, there is so many, like, we have a phrase, just classic Wilson. Just like, <laughs> just screwing up, you know, just being late to a competition, you know. Oh. Like, <laughs> imagine oh, no. he watches this, right? <laughs> nope. I think Wilson is just Wilson. There's only good things about Wilson. Um, Wilson's man. a really good cuber. Like yeah. he's really fast. Yeah. Well, he's definitely hit the retirement age of cubing. Like he is so slow in comparison now. <laughs> Isn't he good at FMC? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's pretty good for old standards. I mean, these days with domino reduction. Oh yeah. Oh, that's anything. Right. Anything changed. is possible. <laughs> oh, I just that's remember, right. like I, I I posted on Facebook about like like. Finishing like every single event in the in the WCA. Right, I remember that. And then, yeah, yeah, and then like Wilson was like, "You got like I can help teach you how to improve FMC because I had like a forty-one mean or something really bad." Um, so I'm like, "Oh, that's the one that you're good at." <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. he is good at FMC. Yeah. Not anymore though. I mean, like, he definitely would not be classified as like 
the best. World class. Yeah, man. I remember the pre-Domino Reduction days when, like, you know, I, I remember, like, uh, I guess people probably... I don't know I don't know anything about Domino Reduction. Do people... Does, does it work similarly to, like, the old... I remember NIS and uh, Insertions. Does Domino Reduction work similarly? Is it, like, an additional step onto this? Or is it, like, just a completely different method altogether? I think it's completely sure. different. Do you know, Carrie? Um, yeah, I think you try to reduce the cube to, like, where the top and bottom are like white and yellow mm. and then it can be solved only with double turns yeah that's uh, what I was, left left that's right what I was front back and i don't know if insertions are still a thing there because you can't do commutators that only do mm. quarter turns then right so i don't know if it's like you have to throw out any insertion knowledge um but that's why i guess we're not fmc gods yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's we're not we're definitely not. Not and forget gods. I'm I, I don't know <laughs> extremely mediocre. I, I remember yeah. like going to comps right, and I'd just be like, yeah, I learned this thing called NIS because I think the first time I ever competed in FMC, I just like did like some CFOP solution, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna use NIS, and you know I I know how to do this. And then I sat down, I tried to do NIS, and then it didn't work, and I was just like, okay, well, I guess I'm taking DNF <laughs> on this one. I, I think uh, yeah, that's the thing about like FMC is that you, people don't really practice at home, so sometimes like, you don't know if it's gonna work until the competition yeah. is started. I, actually, we we should explain to for for non cubers. So FMC is fuse moves competition or fuse moves. I think it used to be called fuse moves contest, but then it changed. I, anyway, I thought it was fuse moves challenge. Yeah, oh, maybe it's yeah. challenge. Okay, in any case, I think it's, yeah. Basically, you want to solve the cube in as fuse moves as possible. It's like um, it's it's like being a computer, right? Like you want to just give the most efficient solution. And, uh, you know, there are many ways to do this. You can just, if you just do like your normal solution, for example, a CPOP solution, I think CPOP averages around, I think if you do it somewhat efficiently, you can get like 60 moves like pretty easily. Um, then obviously there are like other methods. I think Rue, if you include M slices is like 40. Yeah, and then four, ZZ yeah. is, I think like, I think ZZ is also between 40 and 50. Um, but then the, there are other things that you can do, and there are some very interesting things with the way that the cube is set up that have to do with a lot of more like math and group theory. And there's one method called NIS, which is normal inverse scramble switch, where you solve the inverse scramble of the cube, and doing some stuff there gives you more, not more information, but kind of like, well, you can use that information to solve the normal scramble of the cube in a slightly different way, which can be more efficient. So, because I was trying to learn this, so I think this is a really interesting concept, and I still don't really understand it mathematically, like how it all works, I'm not that smart, but the way, like when Manu says inverse scramble, in a sense, when you scramble a puzzle, um, you scramble it, like say for example with two moves, in order to return to that state, you want to do the inverse of those, not the inverse of those two moves, you want to do those moves in, reserve, rever uh, in reverse. So if you yeah, think about think like the, you think about the solve state and the scramble state as like a gigantic circle. Yeah. This is a scramble, and this section is the inverse scramble, and then right. And yeah. That's yeah. How it works. Yeah. And then when you do this, you actually apply it backwards, and you get this like semi pseudo state that only exists in the ether. And then it, it just gives you some cool stuff in the real world, basically. Yeah, I, I'm sure that at this point there are, are prob well, I'm guessing, but I'm sure that there are like many, many NIST tutorials 
out on YouTube. So you can go feel free to take a look at those if you'd like. I'm sure, so I, actually, I don't even know if they, maybe they don't exist anymore with with the DR and stuff, but well, I'm sure the old no, I'm sure they, I'm sure they both exist because I do think NIS is, has a lower barrier of entry than domino reduction. Mm -hmm. Really? Because I, I feel like domino is so new that nobody has... Oh, okay, people have made tutorials about it, but there's they're kind of like four already intermediate FMC solvers. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if an idiot like me can know NIS enough to do it in a solve, I'm pretty sure the 31 I got was a NIS one. Yeah. Uh, and I think I got very lucky because I got a ZBL. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. It's always nice when the last layer is just something very nice. Yeah, yeah. So if someone like me can figure out this, I'm sure it, it's probably not too removed from anyone who's trying to learn FMC. Right. But yeah, I mean, that was... Uh, I think FMC was one of the last events I, I checked off. I know, Carrie, you've done every event. Chai, I think you've done almost every event as well, right? Not even close. Yeah. I'm, oh, really? I'm what are you so missing? I'm missing all the blind events. I'm missing uh, all the I'm blind searching. events. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's, all, that's only four else. events, right? I got I got a clock result. Yeah, I yeah, got a clock result. So oh, yeah. Oh, you're, are you, you checking for me? Yeah, I'm checking right now. <laughs> you, you have a faster clock average than me, but I have a faster clock single. So Wait, so we're average? even. Your average is fifteen point eight, and your single is oh. thirteen point four. That's not bad. Not, not too bad. <laughs> I know. Not under the bad. cutoff. Under the cutoff. Yeah, I guess I'm just missing blind, but that's a lot of events. Uh, yeah, it's, well, it's like, what, four events? Yeah, but I don't know how to do any of them. What about... Oh, I just thought of another one. Skube. Oh, you're oh. one of the Skube solves. <laughs> Dude, Skube, Skube oh, yeah. is one of the this easier thing. events, too. Yeah, Skube? It, yeah. yeah. Uh, Skube... I'm going to quote my dear friend, Brandon Harnish. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, Skube is a blight. <laughs> oh, yeah. So for oh. for those of you who don't know, because Skube actually used to not be an event. It was not an official event. I think it was added yeah. oh, January first, twenty fourteen. Okay, well there we go. It was added. Okay. So it, it, I I actually predate because my first competition was in twenty thirteen. So I actually predate the ex the existence of Skube as an official WCA event. But uh, yeah, one of our one of our good friends, Brandon Harnish. I think he had the world record for at least several months, if not over a year um yeah that, now he yeah. does, does not like skube anymore <laughs> i mean it, i believe the way that it works well i mean to be obviously it's a personal preference thing right yeah. like it's not objective but i believe brandon harnish had the world record for a while and was it immediately like the polish started taking over the event oh, yeah yeah like, they did they invent the Polish sledgehammer? Ah, uh, I, I know the Polish <laughs> sledgehammer. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, it was inevitable. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so Chad, do you think you're ever going to finish the profile? Get get all events? Uh, you know, I'm not gonna put it out of the question because I mean, you got a long time, right? I mean, blind is something that I could theoretically pick up like in my late twenties if I really yeah. wanted to. Like, it's not something I have to do now, but, um, 
Like I think Graham is slightly older than me, and he's he's rocking it. I just don't have the like, the patience to learn it at the moment. I mean, um, yeah, there's no I, point I've, in forcing yourself to learn it if you don't want to, right? So I've also had successful blind attempts. I think my PB is like seven or eight minutes. I just never continued to push down the barriers. By the time I went back to try it again, I had forgotten so much of what I know, including the letter scheme too, right? Mm -hmm. So right. I mean, but it's so um. You'd think blind solving is so hard, but conceptually it makes so much sense. Like, whoever thought of these methods, it's like a genius kind of thing. I mean, I don't know who thought of it, but isn't it like from like card games and stuff like that, the way they use letter schemes? Uh, I don't know if it's card games, but I think it's a lot closer to group theory in the yeah. way that like you, oh. you would learn group theory in college because you talk about like even versus odd permutations and like n cycles and like parity and all that. So um, I definitely think that someone who learned group theory in college is probably more likely to have developed the method. I don't know who did. I know that like Stefan Pachman. Yeah, I only know uh, of Pachman, so. Yeah, started it in like 2000, some, like one, 2002, mm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Carrie, since you, I think you are basically the resident expert on blind, at least among the three of us. Do you want to explain the blind method really quickly? Oh yeah, okay. Um, I guess I have a scrambled cube, but I don't want to like, go too much in detail. But I think the idea is um, for every piece, like every corner piece or edge piece, it has a position it wants to go to. So you just sort of look at the piece and then you see where it goes to. And then like that will point you to another piece that like also tells you where it wants to go to. So it kind of creates a path around the cube. And then mm -hmm. in your head, you also have a letter assigned to every position on the cube. So as you trace out this path, you're also creating a string of letters, which you can memorize. And because there's only 20 pieces of the cube that actually move, the path will be around 20 letters long, which actually isn't that hard to remember. And like, this is the same way it works mnemonics. for bigger cubes too. Yeah, you use yeah. mnemonics, right? You just build sentences or like whatever you can do to remember the letters. Yeah. Yeah, so like every two letters, you will think of an image or some object. So I guess, well, let me think of an example. Like EG would be egg for me. Yeah. And then like, if you just do blind over and over again, it starts to get to the point where if you think of a letter pair, you just immediately see that image in your head. Um, so then yeah. when you put the blindfold on, you have like 10 images in your head and you just kind of, kind of regurgitate. I think it's it, it's also easier to like see too on a solved cube like when Carrie is discussing like where a piece wants to go oh but yeah really, this is the this is the spot where this piece wants to go because this is a solved cube so if I consider this piece right here that position is home position but like when it's scrambled obviously it's not the piece is somewhere else so now the piece is back here but the home position is still over here and that position and how it's going there, that's what Carrie's memorizing, essentially. Yeah, and there, yeah. there are like algorithms to move, like, so here really what we're doing is, it's almost like you're solving the cube sticker by sticker, except instead of sticker by sticker, you're really solving it piece by piece. Imagine you're sort of like taking the piece out of the cube, and you're saying, okay, where does this piece need to go? Jamming it into that spot, taking the piece that was there out, 
uh, and then finding where that needs to go and continue doing that over and over again until you just solve the cube. It's actually not too difficult if you if you like. You, you could probably come up with like a. Uh, you could probably come up with this method yourself, honestly, if given enough time. Yeah. That's a good yeah. Um, alg. T perm is a good one to show, right? Oh, like, I, how I'm many just... pieces are you moving? Well, I mean, I'm thinking of an alg that only affects corners. Because the good thing about uh, these yeah. commutators that, you know, as Manu said, take a piece out and put a piece in and then force a piece out, is they don't affect anything on the cube that isn't mm -hmm. those three pieces. It's always three. So, yeah. like, this is a pretty common alg that I have where, like, this is the buffer. Like, this is kind of, like, where all the action happens. And you can see you got white, green, and red. And then I want to know where this is going to go. It wants to go between the white, green, and red centers, which is here. So mm -hmm. I think of that letter as C. And there's... I don't want to explain three style, like, on yeah, a podcast. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. We're, we're basically, like, forcing this piece to go into that C position. And then this guy, um, you know, I we got to figure out where he wants to go. Where I, they want to go. We don't really know the genders of... of pieces of plastic but you just fall, keep doing that like a kind of a chain reaction until you get to the end i guess like by no means is this easy like because what carrie's talking about with these commutators they're like i think literally thousands right yeah i think well it's it's like i think 400 edge commutators and 400 corner permute uh, commutators yeah so it's a lot but like some of them are like the difference is like what like a u and a u2 like, yeah yeah, so they're like very yeah. small differences, but plus, by no means it's is it easy. I mean, plus you can get away with like you don't need to learn all of them. You can also just yeah. uh, learn just. I think you can get away. There, there. I think if you use old Pokemon, old Pokemon, you can get away with three algorithms only. I think you just need T perm, Y perm, and R perm. Yeah. Wait, which yeah, are which are just three three algorithms, but yeah, you you mm -hmm. can get away with only knowing three algorithms and being able to solve a cube blindfolded. So, but yeah, it is it is very different than solving a traditional three by three, mainly because you really really need to know where all the pieces are going, and in order to be able to very like finely move pieces, like Carrie said, we want to only move the pieces that we really care about. We want to move the other pieces as little as possible. That requires a somewhat lengthy algorithm to memorize. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. It's like you get the thrill of being a be beginner again. Yeah. How, how did you... When, when slash how did you get into blind? For me, I think... Oh, actually, it was like uh, summer... Oh, no, it was January 2015. So it was like right after I had applied to college and i think i realized i have a lot of free time and <laughs> i've been cubing for a couple years so let me try something new that's sick yeah 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 i mean blind is tough blind is also so impressive just like you said i think before um how either four by four for me but for you as three blind just spectator wise it, it's tough it's a it's a tough event i i like it yeah, I mean, I think it's also an event where people can, like, w where your emotion, not emotional state, but like your mental state can make or break yeah. it for you. Cause, like, oh, it, definitely. Yeah. I, I find that like if I don't get much sleep, I can still get by doing other events fine, but like three blind, I just perform so much worse. 
Now imagine you had to do that times 60. 60. Times 60. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for Graham, I'm sure that like, um, you gotta be like very careful, you know, how your mind is doing on the day before and the day leading up to a multiplying event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's to the point where, like, so as we mentioned, like, you're memorizing these, like, strings of characters, right? So one way to do that is, like, stories. I know that some, some, some multi-blind people, because you need to memorize a lot of letters. Multi-blind is basically the same thing. You take, th you take, a, like, a three-by-three three blindfolded, but you have to do it X a certain amount. Except you do all the memorization beforehand, and then you do all the solving after. So instead of doing, like, memorize, solve, memorize, solve, it's memorize, 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 Solve, 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 solve. Mm -hmm. So, because of that, you can come up with a lot of stories, and you can store those stories in many ways. I think a very well-known one is Roman rooms or mind palaces. But then you also need to make sure to evict those guys out. So I know what some people will do is they'll do like a like sixty cube blind attempt, which is mind you huge, right? And then afterwards, in order to clear their mind, they'll just do a short attempt, like I think like two or five. And then the, that way, the third attempt, they can start fresh again, 60, after they've evicted all those unwanted Evicted. Guests. Interesting. I, I, never even, I never even knew that was something that had to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, evicting. I, I, I know, for, like, from my experience, and I don't do multi-blind, but for, like, big blind, I will, ha I will cycle through, like, maybe seven or eight different mind palaces so i have my own home as a palace mm -hmm. but i also use like my high school and my college um and like i can't use the same palace twice in one day because otherwise i'll recall stuff from the previous attempt right what? And that just really messes everything up. i yeah. had no idea yeah that you need to cleanse your palate essentially yeah it becomes yeah. vivid enough where you can you just see it there right and then 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 yeah you have to work hard to just evict them they're just un unwanted memory yeah, wow. like like an unwanted know. X. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, blocked. Oh, no, I think that I think that uh, I know what time. Like you guys know what time it is now. I think it's pretty much time to go. Oh yeah, oh, we're talking about X's now. I don't know. Oh yeah, well, we're also talking about getting, getting stuff evicted, right? You know, if we keep this up for too long, the viewers are gonna evict us. They'll be, they'll be like, this, these guys are just yeah uttering like nonsense as always. Yeah. Okay. But, so, um. Is there anything else we're gonna hit about like Cuban career and we already talked about first competition and the different regions we can talk about it we, we talked about like world championships so I think we crossed those all off yeah plus anything we didn't cover we can always come back to in future podcast episode yeah exactly cool well do we want to end this episode off soon yeah I think, I think so. we've reached our cutoff yeah yeah I think we have we have over inspected once again <laughs> As always, no, always oh, a man. always a pleasure, guys. I think I think it's really fun to just like, because these are just like the normal conversations I think we would have. So it's kind of cool to put it in podcast format, and hopefully the, the viewers find some of our some of our stories slightly interesting. Hopefully, maybe you can relate. Maybe you yeah. found one of the maybe one of the cubing things we mentioned interests you. Like now you really want to learn about FMC or three blind or something. That'd be cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree with Manu. Um, these, these topics, they're very interesting, but they're also very niche, so... Scoob mm -hmm. <laughs> is a blight. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, know, I didn't know that Brandon was so anti-Scoob these days. Well, it's not even these oh. days. It's been for a oh, while. Yeah. For a while. It's, yeah. yeah. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Are we signing off? Alright, I think we are signing off.
Thank you for watching, everyone. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye.